Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Again to RUF, it's so good to be with you all, and uh, yeah, it is darker and sadder outside, I feel like, than it was at the start of the year, but uh, it's been a good year so far, and I'm glad to be in it with you guys, and uh, we are going through the parables of Jesus. We've looked at, I think, six different parables so far, so this will be number seven for us, and Uh, We're going to be looking at one about prayer tonight, which I think is pertinent, and especially in the context of losing heart, uh, because this is a time in the semester where it's easy to lose heart, and I know that we all bring different challenges of life, different life and family situations to our UF and to our community, and so uh, I want those to be things that we can uh, work through together and also bring to our Lord. So uh, let me read this really great parable for us. Uh, Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Uh, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let me pray again. Uh, Father, we do come uh, from a lot of places uh, in life tonight. And there's stress in this room. And there's uh, challenging life situations, challenging family situations. And we do pray that uh, you would meet us in the midst of those and teach us to pray and make us the people that praise and be at work now as we look at this word. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Uh, so do you ever feel like God is doing nothing? I wonder if you've ever had that experience. I certainly have the experience of wondering, you know, God, where are you or why do you do nothing? And if you've ever experienced that, then you've just really joined all of God's people for all of time in that. And the Bible is really a story of a people waiting for God. And when a lot of the times it feels and seems like he's doing nothing. And in the Bible, you know, I think we often overlook the length of time in the Bible. Like uh, Israel was enslaved in Egypt for 430 years, wondering, longer than the United States has existed, uh, wondering, you know, will this God who promised to give us uh, a land and to set us free, will he ever do anything? Or, you know, you could just go on and on. All these times when God's people waited 
and waited when they went into captivity, even though they were already in the promised land. You know, what is God doing? Uh, why does he seem to be doing nothing? And the context of this parable that we just read uh, comes from the previous chapter, chapter 17, where Jesus is starting to instruct his disciples about him leaving them. Uh, so he's getting ready. He's on his way to Jerusalem to the cross, and he's preparing them for this moment of dismay when they're going to be like, what is going on? And it's specifically that God's kingdom grows like a seed. It grows slowly. Uh, God can be at work even though it seems like he's not. Uh, it may seem like nothing is happening, but God can be at work behind the scenes. And he says specifically in the first verse here that it's about losing heart. He told this parable uh, so that they would pray and not lose heart. Um, and so that is obviously a picture of what we need too. And uh, it's like, you know, he's preparing them for the situation where bad and scary things are happening. And this is the time when we need to pray more than ever. But because the things are so bad and so scary, uh, we lose heart instead. We stop praying. We give up. And we think maybe I was just, maybe it was all wishful thinking, all this God stuff. Maybe I'm really just all alone in this world. Uh, Do you ever lose heart like that? Uh, I do. You know, maybe there was a time when you were more excited about praying or you prayed more and then you lost steam because you lost heart. Or maybe life just kind of wore you out. Or sometimes we look around at the world and everything that's broken that we see in the news and on social media. and we, Everything just seems to confirm this suspicion that nothing ever works out. And, and against that backdrop, we kind of learn that prayer is a discipline of faith here. Uh, it's a discipline that takes, it doesn't come naturally to us. It takes practice and work and we need to develop it and the bottom line is that Christians are people that pray. Uh, Christians are people that pray. And it's really hard. We're not going to cover prayer exhaustively tonight. Uh, but we're going to look at specifically this question of how can we keep praying when what we really want to do is just lose heart because of the circumstances around us. And so we're going to look at the character of God first. And then we're going to look at the work of Jesus. And then we're going to look at the strength that is found in depending on God. So first of all, I want to look at the character of God. And the parable shows it in kind of an interesting way, actually. Um, it talks about how there's this judge who neither feared God nor respected man. So he's saying, in the hypothetical, you know, this made-up city, there's a judge there, and he neither fears God nor respects man, which is a way of saying he's a total jerk. Uh, doesn't fear God, doesn't care about what people think about him. He's just like solely devoted to himself. And in that same city, there's a widow. And widows, it's awful to be a widow today. But back then, it was really awful because you had no one advocating for you. You had to look out for yourself in a culture where you all women always were, first of all, mistreated a lot more so than they are today. And they were dependent on someone like a husband or a father to look out for them or else they would effectively have no one. And this, this widow in the story uh, goes to the judge who's a jerk and she says, give me justice against my adversary. And it's implied that like, she deserves justice. She is in the right and there's a bad guy who has wronged her and she wants justice and she's right to want it. And the judge is just being obstinate. He doesn't care about her. But eventually she wears him out. And he says to her, even though I don't care about your cause at all, 
I'll give you what you want just so you'll leave me alone. And if you look at the first glance at this parable, it seems to be kind of saying like, annoy God with your prayer until he answers you. And that's not the point at all. Uh, the point, you know, it's in verse six and seven. Verses six and seven, he says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And he says, and will God not give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? In other words, he's using this how much more argument where it's like, if a woman can wear down like the worst human being in the world and get him to do what she wants him to do, how much more will the God who loves you and saved you, saved you, answer you? He's saying, do you see how much God is not like, like God is the opposite of this judge, which is why we should pray. He cares deeply about justice. Like when things are wrong in life and they're not the way they're supposed to be, he cares so much about that. Uh, in the Bible, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, the city that's supposed to be one way and it's actually all broken, and he weeps over it. Uh, when his best, one of his best friends, Lazarus, dies, he weeps at the tomb, even though he knows he can raise him from the dead because he hates death, okay? And this judge, uh, it says he doesn't respect man. He doesn't care at all about his reputation with people, uh, but this God, but God cares deeply about his reputation in the world. He wants the whole world to know how much he loves us. Uh, several years ago, after Large Group, on this night, in this building, uh, I left Large Group, and my, that was back in the day when my wife Maggie and my baby daughter Margot would come to Large Group. And so we uh, left Large Group one night, and there was a 5K race on campus that night, like a nighttime 5K in the spring. It was part of spring weekend. And uh, the lot, we parked in the lot over there, right across the street. And the lot, when we got there, it was like our car, my car was in there and they were like, the lot is closed. You can't leave because of the 5K. It's like nine or 9.30 at night. My baby is with me. And I was just like, dude, it was a student worker who was like, you can't leave. I was like, when can we leave? And he was like, I don't know, like 10, 10.30. And I was like, no, 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 no. You have to let us leave. Like, this is a baby. Like, she needs to get to sleep, man. And uh, he was like, sorry, you know, can't, can't leave. It's the rule. And I was just like, okay. And, you know, so we regroup and it's like, I go back. And I'm like, listen, man, you got to let us leave. Can't you call someone? And, and I, I like went and found someone else like down the road. And I was like, this guy won't let us leave. I have a baby. And uh, we just wore this guy down until finally, like I personally wore this guy down until he was like, maybe I can call someone. <laughs> I'll just ask someone else. And poor guy, he was just a student employee. But uh, we eventually got like a police escort to drive us off the campus with baby Margot so we could leave because the roads were all closed off for this race. And, um, you know, we had to wear him down. Uh, do you know how much God is not like that guy? Like this kid, he was just doing his job. He wasn't invested in my like world with my baby girl. He just was trying to do the job he was told to do. He had no investment. And I just want to tell you that God is so invested in the details of your struggle in this world. Uh, he's so much more invested than you could ever be aware of. Uh, and he knows it's not going to seem like that all the time. Uh, he knows how shocked his disciples will be as they watch him die. Um, but he's so invested. Uh, speaking of my baby daughter, 
my kids, both of my kids, I think I've shared this before with some of you guys, both of my kids had, uh, when they were babies, had to have tongue and lip tie minor surgeries, which is like, uh, if you feel under your front lip, there's a little flap that connects your gums to your lip, and there's one under your tongue too. And both of my kids, they were way too prominent, and it affected things like nursing, and it would be, the doctor said it would grow up to affect their speech and stuff like that. And so uh, with both of them, we had, I had the privilege of holding them in a doctor's office while they laser melted the skin off. Not that much numbing involved, by the way. It just, it's just like lasered off. And while my kids shriek and tear and look up at me, the one who's holding them, like, what are you doing? And it wasn't just that, because after that, it reattaches unless you every day, multiple times a day, open up the wound uh, to prevent it from attaching. So we had to do this for like two weeks with both of our kids, right? And think, I want you to think about that. Like, why were we doing that to our kids? Because we love them so much. And there is just a massive knowledge gap. You know, think about a baby and their parent. Like, there's such a knowledge gap. And they would, they would never be able to understand until they're much older why we would put them through such misery. Uh, but it's for their good, okay? Uh, if God is not working in the way you want him to work tonight, what I want to say to you is it can't be because he doesn't care. It cannot be because he doesn't care. So that's the God, that's the character of God that we see in this parable. But I want to look now at the work of Jesus uh, in verse 7 and 8. It says, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Um, I think one of the reasons we don't pray often is because of lies we believe about God. And I think another is because we believe lies about ourselves. I am too bad to pray. I am too unlovable to pray. Look at my life. Look how much of a screw up I am. God's not going to be like taking any favors from me anytime soon based on the way my life looks. But in this passage, Jesus uses a key word. He says, give justice to his elect. We could say a lot about elect and stuff like that, but uh, what it means is that God's people are God's people for all time. It means that he loved you before the universe existed. And what that means is you're not just anyone to him, if you belong. If you're one of his people, you're not just anyone to him. And it definitely means that you can't disqualify yourself from him. Uh, when I was growing up, I uh, grew up in New Jersey, and I had a friend who was a great friend to have. His dad was the TV writer for the New York Times. So we grew up small town in New Jersey. His dad worked in New York City, and he was the, he focused specifically on late night TV, TV. So when we got to be like high school age, we figured out that we could get my friend's dad to make a phone call and go to like anything in New York City late night related that we wanted to do. Late night talk shows, Saturday Night Live, things at MTV, and it always worked. It was just like, he made a call, my son and a few of his friends are gonna show up. And so we would show up at these events in New York City and there would be like a line, like people would have like slept out on the sidewalk to go to something. 
and we would walk straight to the front of the line, tell whoever was working there who we were, which is nobody, like a bunch of scrubs from high school, <laughs> except we would tell them who we knew, and we would go right in, in the front of the line, and the people that were there would be like, who the heck are these kids <laughs> like getting into these things? And it was because we knew Mr. Carter. Mr. Carter got us in. Uh, when we pray, you know, we often close prayer by saying we pray in Jesus' name, and you don't have to say in Jesus' name, but it's a good thing to say because it reminds us that we pray in Jesus' name. Uh, Jesus belongs at the front of the line. Jesus is the one who is like this with the Father. He cannot, uh, you know, but be heard by his Father. His Father delights in him. And when you pray in Jesus' name, when you belong to Jesus, it means that's the status you bring. Uh, if you have Jesus, you're in front of the throne of the Father in heaven. Uh, so if you don't think you deserve to pray, you're right, actually. You don't. You're like, you know, the, the scrubs who showed up at the thing in New York City. Uh, but through Jesus, you have access. You, you, you have access to the king. Uh, so, you know, as you think about praying, don't be afraid to start small. You know, God, please help me. God, please show me more of yourself. Help me to learn to pray help me in this challenging situation. Those are all like legit prayers that God hears. You know, a lot of times we think like, oh, I need to like make, compose a speech to God or use certain types of language for him to hear me. And Jesus actually teaches against that in the Bible. He, like when he teaches the Lord's prayer, he teaches like prayer is supposed to be simple. You talk to God like you're talking to the father and you tell him directly your cares, your concerns. Uh, so don't be afraid to start small. Don't be afraid to mess it up because you can't because you pray in Jesus' name. Uh, and don't let, you know, if you forget to pray, if you kind of lose track of prayer, don't be afraid to come back. It's never not okay to come back. So uh, that is the work of Jesus in prayer. But I want to close by looking at the strength of dependence that we see. Because uh, at the end of this passage, Jesus asks an interesting question. He says, will he find faith on earth? When, when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes, will he find faith on earth? And it gets at the big question. What makes prayer hard? Faith. It requires faith. What's at the root of prayer? Faith. Like, if you aren't praying, it's a faith issue. Like, prayer is hard because it requires faith. And we don't get all the answers all the time when we pray. Like, sometimes we pray... And God seems to have totally other plans than we ask for. Sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray and then God seems to work. Or sometimes God seems to answer our prayers immediately. Uh, and sometimes it's uncertain if he answered at all. Uh, or maybe something happened that would have happened anyway. You know, did my prayer make any difference? Uh, I remember one time I prayed for my wife Maggie because she was having really severe vertigo, uh, dizziness. It's caused by an inner ear issue. And uh, really randomly, it was just like, she was like, I feel awful for like days. And uh, it took me like a couple days to realize I should like start praying for my wife because I'm a good pastor. And uh, <laughs> so one, like she was just miserable. And we were sitting in our room and I said, I'm going to pray for you. And I put, actually put my hand on her head and I prayed for her that God would heal her. And he didn't heal her. But then 
like within five seconds of finishing praying, a thought did come into my head, which was, hey, when did you start taking that new multivitamin? And she said, a few days ago, when the vertigo started. And we realized that something in the new like multivitamin supplement that she was taking was causing her vertigo. And like she stopped taking it and like the next day she was fine. It was like calcium or something in there that was messing her up. And you know, like I have no idea if I would have thought of that on my own or if that was the way God answered my prayer. I have, I would have, like there's no way I could prove that either way. Uh, but the point is, why wouldn't you pray? Uh, one thing that makes prayer hard is that the Bible tells us that God is in control and that he has a good plan. But at the same time, he tells us that our prayers are effective. Um, and it's like, I don't know how to make sense of that, but you've got to pray. Well, why wouldn't you pray? Uh, why is it a big deal to God that we pray? Because he's looking to see faith in us. Um, why is it, why does he want to see faith in us? Like, why is prayer like the bottom line? Why is that what he wants for us? Because a lot of people think it's like weakness. Like, it's a crutch. Religious people use prayer as a crutch and it just makes them feel better and it doesn't really do anything. And um, Most people would say, I think that prayer makes you kind of weak. Uh, Jesus would say that prayer is actually what makes you strong. In other words, dependence on him is what makes you strong. Uh, I've shared with some of you that I had my tendon on my finger surgically repaired a while ago, several years ago now, because the tendon had just uh, pulled away and my finger wasn't functioning because the tendon was not attached to the tip of my finger anymore. So when I would close it, like this one finger wouldn't close. And I went to the doctor and they said, yeah, like we see this all the time. It's easy, like surgeon, pretty common thing to fix. And, uh, and so I had my finger surgically repaired and it closes again, which was wonderful. Um, I want you to think about that. You know, I could have gone about my day and been like, no, I'm going to power through. I don't need surgery. Surgery is for wimps. You know, I'm powerful myself. I can do this. Like, what do I need surgery for? I can get by. I don't need this. You know, or I could do something that actually gives my finger power, which is repairing it surgically so that it works again. Okay? That's where actually, like, getting the help that makes you powerful is what, where power is found. Uh, we talked at the beginning about how there's so much wrong in our lives and in our world, and we lose heart, right? Um, by making faith the bottom line of everything in this story, Jesus is showing us where the root problem is. Uh, it comes from believing a lie. You know, everyone has faith in something. Uh, Jesus just wants us to put our faith in him. But when we don't, we believe a lie. We've been talking about the lie some this semester. We talk about it in our Bible studies, too. Uh, the lie is God is mean. He's holding out on me. Adam and Eve believe this lie in the garden, and everything falls apart in the world. And it's a powerful lie because it says, you know, you can, you can be in control. It can be about you. And we feel the power of the lie when we try to pray, and we can't. Because prayer is hard because it takes faith. And we feel the power of the lie when we try to be like a better person and we can't. And that's the problem that Jesus came to fix. And the way Jesus fixes it 
is by taking on the punishment that the lie deserves. The lie deserves being cast out forever. Uh, Jesus is actually headed to the cross as he tells this parable. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he will be tried and crucified. And before he goes to that, though, before he's crucified, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, this garden near Jerusalem. And he goes there to pray. And he prays for something specific. Three times he prays to his father. Jesus prayed all the time, by the way. One more reason we should pray. If Jesus needed to, you do. Uh, But he went to pray in the garden. And he said specifically to the father, if there's any way that this weekend can go down without me dying, let's do that. And he prayed it three times. And do you know what the father says in response? Nothing. There's no answer. And that no answer, that's for us. You deserve no answer, but Jesus got no answer so that God (laughs) must answer. For us, it's finished. We have the front place in the line because Jesus lost it eternally on the cross. He bore the weight of eternally losing first place in line, intimacy with his father so that you could be brought in. If you're praying to God, the Father, through Jesus, what that means is that the power that fully and finally overcame the lie, overcame all the evil in this world, is now at work in your heart as you pray. Uh, So you don't grow out of faith. (laughs) Like, the the more, you know, I think sometimes we think, like, I pray, I'll pray a lot while I have all these problems and I feel weak, but... Someday I'll be like a strong Christian and I won't need to be praying. I won't need to be praying as much. And that is the opposite. Uh, The more you know Jesus, the more you will pray. You don't grow out of prayer. Um, Jesus would say the pinnacle of life would be to be like him. To pray to the Father all the time. Uh, So I want to encourage you tonight. I don't know where you stand with prayer. If you're like me, you struggle with it. I want to encourage you to try to pray. Uh, To try to pray more than you've been. And not to lose heart when it's hard. And to always come back to this God who will lose everything to have you. Uh, To this God who has all the power. To this God who's committed to making everything right. Uh, Let's pray to him now. Uh, Father, we... Pray that you would teach us to pray. I pray that we would be people who pray more. I pray that we would more quickly turn to you in prayer instead of to all the other things that we put our faith in, all our other resources that don't pale in comparison to you. And I pray that you grow us in faith and trust. And I pray... Uh, all these things in Jesus' name uh, because he lost his place uh, so that we can have it. Amen. All right, guys.